Good morning. Man, that's awesome because there's only like, you must be the loud people. That's what it is. Like the, everybody watching at home, you better have said good morning just as loud um, into whatever you're looking on, I guess, your TV or computer, phone. Uh, man, but good morning. So glad um, we could be here this morning. I have no idea what the weather's doing, but we have a Jeep here and a truck with four-wheel drive and we'll get somewhere, right? So um, if you are here, we won't make you be stuck here. And if you're at home, we hope you guys are uh, warm and safe and, and we'll see you next week. But this morning we're going to be in Matthew. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. I'm going to take a drink of water uh, on mute so you don't have to listen to that. Man, uh, so glad to be here this morning. I was kind of debating all morning. If you got here early, you know, I walked in and I'm like, I don't know about this. And um, anyway, it just kept snowing and I still was like hesitant to be like, no, we're not going to have church. Um, I just love being here and love meeting with God and I didn't want to miss that. So selfishly, I wanted to be here, uh, but also I didn't want anybody else to miss out. So uh, we're doing the best of both worlds today. Uh, people that could get here are here and people that couldn't. Uh, we got Facebook Live for you and uh, we're just going to meet with God today together wherever we are. Um, and this morning we're going to open his word to Matthew uh, chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to pray again because right, this is weird. Um, this is I've never been on Facebook Live before. I don't even know what that is, right? I've never used it. I'm not a I don't even have Facebook. I'm caveman basically. But I do have Instagram and Twitter which are cooler than Facebook. Um so sorry about that. But uh, I'm going to pray and um anyway, let's just pray. Father God, this morning I need you. Um God, I, I don't I don't know what anybody else needs this morning, but I know that I need you. And God, um, selfishly, I just want to pray for me that, God, whatever you have this morning, that I will hear it. God, that you'll speak this morning um, in such an amazing way. Um, God, um, I don't really think um, you show up determined on how many people are in the building. Um, I think you just show up. And um, God, this morning, even though maybe there's not many of us here, um, and I don't know what is happening online. I don't even know what that looks like. Um, but God, even if it was just me, um, I would want to hear from you. So God, for whoever is listening today, I'm just praying that uh, for us in this place and us out of this place, God, that you'll just speak. Uh, God, that you'll just open up uh, our eyes to what you'd have for us. That you open up our ears uh, to hear from you, God. And you open up our hearts to receive it, not just to not just to know it, but God, to, to receive it and to live it. So God, this morning, um, just pour out your spirit and, and let us meet with you. We love you, Jesus. Um, you're so good. And um, amen. Um, so this morning, like I said, we're going to be in Matthew um, chapter 1, and I think uh, it's, we, last week we started talking about these Christmas messages, and I said, like, hey, there's only like four or five Christmas stories in the whole of the Bible, and if you hear a new one, you should probably run from that, because um, <laughs> there's not going to be any more Christmas stories. Um, so if you've heard all these before, um, awesome, welcome to the club, but the Word of God is living, and it's effective and it's sharp and it doesn't matter how many times we've heard it. It's not just some children's story we talk about like at Christmas time. This is like the, the, the real story of how Jesus showed up on this planet and um, 
I just love that we have that. And this morning we're going to look at Matthew's account of that. And Matthew, uh, or the gospel of Matthew, is Matthew the disciple, the guy who actually walked with Jesus, was named Levi, tax collector, like, and then Jesus changed his name, but he changed like his whole life. It's that guy's um, gospel or narrative of what happened in Jesus's life. I think that's amazing, right? Like it wasn't some story that was written like 60 years, 100 years, 400 years after Jesus had came and went, but this guy was here and he walked with Jesus. And I think that's amazing that we get these eyewitness accounts so often in the Bible, right? Like it would be cool if it was a guy that knew a guy. That's still cool. Um, but Matthew was there, and, and he actually saw these things, uh, you know, maybe not the birth, but, you know, after that, he actually saw these things, and uh, even this story, like, he he would have heard this firsthand, like, hey, this is what Mary, Jesus' mother, said about the birth of Jesus, and I think it's amazing, but this narrative, uh, or this um story about Jesus' life from Matthew. Matthew gives us his reasoning for writing this just in in verse 1. He says, the historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is kind of the introduction to everything that's about to happen. And I think it's cool that Matthew was like, you know what? Um, This is amazing what's just happened. God sent his son into the world to to save men and somebody ought to write this down right like somebody ought to put this on paper so Matthew thought to preserve this for us so we'd have this historical record of Jesus and he calls him Jesus Christ now maybe you grew up in church and you're like that's Jesus's last name no it's actually not Jesus's last name it's a title it's it's this uh, term that means anointed one or messiah here just in the first verse we're seeing this is a man named Jesus but not just a man named Jesus this is um, God's anointed one the savior that's been that's been uh, proclaimed for years and years and years that's coming into the world this is this narrative and then it says he's the Son of David, now if you've read the story, you know maybe he's not David's son, he's actually way down the line from David, but this is a term that maybe if you were Jewish you would hear and you would think, hey, this is the Messiah. See, there's a requirement that he be from the line of David, and if he's going to be from the line of David, he also has to be from the line of Abraham, and he was just throwing all this into verse 1, and then he starts kind of into this unusual thing, this genealogy. And I encourage you, we're not going to like go through all the names this morning, but just to maybe look at that and to look up some of these people. Jesus had some kind of amazing relatives uh, in, his, in his family tree. Um, not all of them were awesome. There's some kind of interesting characters in here, but it's interesting to me because I'm an interesting character. And if these guys can make it into the family of God, then I got a shot too. So um, there's a reason for these things. And after he concludes these um, genealogies, he starts into the most amazing story uh, that any person on the planet would ever hear. Uh, Still amazing today, by the way. I'm 32 years old, and I've heard the Christmas story more than 32 times, taught it for years now. And it's still amazing to me that God um, would send his son into the world to die for people like me. I I don't know you, but I know me. And man, if God would die for me, then... He is a loving and a good and a gracious God. And it's an amazing thing what he did. And, and we get to hear um, about this birth. And it starts in verse 18 and it says, The birth of Jesus Christ, this Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One, came about in this way. Isn't that kind of like an epic first sentence right there? 
we've heard this a million times, so we're not really impressed with it, but imagine like you've never heard this before. Uh, You know that there's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and he's came into the world, but you you like want to know how he got here, right? And you expect like just reading that, if you've never heard it before, what would you expect? The Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, he came You'd expect like something amazing to happen, right? Like God rolled down from heaven in some flaming chariots, like and he, he strolled up to the temple and kicked the door open. He's like, home, you know, like, um, you may imagine maybe something like that or like this beam of light and God just coming down in the beam of light, like some extraordinary way for God to enter into creation. But if you've ever seen it, like that's not what happens at all, right? It says the birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. It says after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, words. He came as as a baby. He had a, he had a mother. Her name was Mary. We don't know anything else about Mary, right? And Mary's just Mary. Um, if you read the story last week, she's from Nazareth, but like no details, no hobby, no job, no nothing. Just here's a lady named Mary. And then we know about this much information. She's engaged to a man named Joseph, who, by the way, we get nothing about in the first little bit of that story. There's Jesus's mom, Mary, who knows anything about her, except for she's engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, it's it's weird because if you if you know anything about it like Mary and Joseph are just ordinary people like this is the son of God we're talking about and and the son of God came through and to ordinary people from the very beginning you look at that and you're like well God you could have you could have done more effective things right like if I if I was God luckily I'm not it would have been like well let's send him as a you know, in, into a political household. Like, let's send him somewhere he can influence. He could be born as like the a son of Caesar, right? Like, he, he could be an emperor's son. He'd grow up, be an emperor. He could, you know, make peace with the whole world. He could, he could rule. That makes sense to me. Or maybe even like a religious household, right? Like, he could have been the son of the high priest. He could have instituted this religious reform and, and, and changed all these things. He could have made, made giant economic differences or political differences or even religious differences. He'd been born in a different place in a different moment. And it makes sense, right? Like, if God's son's going to be born, wouldn't he be born into somewhere of some influence? But he was born to people of no influence, right? Just ordinary Mary and, and Joseph. And you're like, well, why would God do that? Well, God, Jesus always came to and, and for ordinary people. So why would, God, why would God not send him through ordinary people, right? So here's, here's Mary, whoever that is. And here's Joseph, like whoever that is. And, and they were engaged. That's all we got. Now, engaged is an interesting word because in our culture, it means like you put a ring on it, right? And, and and they can or cannot decide to get married after that. And like, even now, like in our culture, like you, you can be married and then not be married, but like it was different for the Jewish people. Like this was a legally binding contract. Engagement was just like marriage. Like when you got engaged, you were basically married. You just weren't living together. And maybe even if you, maybe didn't even get to visit each other, but if you did, it'd been like supervised visits. Like this was this was a marriage where, there'd already been some exchange of, of payment and, and they were going to get married. This is a legally binding contract. And, and and these two people were engaged to be married, but they hadn't come together. And it says it was discovered before they, look at that, before they came together ahead of myself, um, that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant. And you might as well leave off the Holy Spirit part because we know that, but whatever is about to go down, nobody else knows that, right? Like you go, go spin that tale. Oh yeah, I'm pregnant, but it's okay. I didn't do anything weird. Like I didn't do anything wrong. Like it's, it's by the Holy Spirit. How's that going to work for you? You just roll up and tell your parents that or tell grandparents that or tell people at the mall that. Like everybody's going to laugh at you because what is that? We've never seen that before. That's not even possible for most people. We talked last week about how God, like, he dwells in the areas we think are impossible, but but, but here we have this this couple that's, they've, they've never been together, and, and now it's discovered Mary is pregnant. We got a problem. Because there's a man named Joseph who she's engaged to, and here's this legally binding contract, and what Joseph knows, maybe nobody else knows, that ain't my kid, Right? That's not my kid. That, there's no way in the world, because, you know, this is years and years ago, but they know how this stuff works. There's no way in the world that that's my kid, and we're engaged. Can you imagine getting that news, right? Like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but that lady you were going to marry, she's, she's pregnant. And immediately, that's not mine. And immediately all the feelings that come with that, right? Like there's betrayal and there's hurt and there's like frustration and there's probably anger. You can, you can like sense those things in that moment. There's confusion. And this is what's happening right here in the story. And oh, by the way, there's an editorial note from Matthew because he wants us to know, but what Joseph doesn't know, it's by the Holy Spirit. Joseph isn't there in the story yet. Joseph is, Mary's pregnant. Hey, it's not mine. That's messed up. But Matthew's like, don't worry, folks. Um, it was the Holy Spirit. And it says in 19, so her husband, Joseph, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. They were engaged. Now it's husband. What's happening here? Um, that's not a language error, by the way. You're not the smartest person that's existed in 2,000 years, and you've just figured out a flaw in the Bible. Like that's, <laughs> uh, This is a legally binding contract, right? So it's just using the language that would come around that. Uh, maybe they're not actually married yet. There's been no ceremony, but in the eyes of the law, they're married. So this is husband, Joseph, even though they've not been together. And it says, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. This is the thing that's happened just in a verse, but probably over some time. There's been a moment where Joseph's had to to decide in himself, like, what am I going to do? Mary's pregnant. It's not mine. I'm hurt. I'm betrayed. Uh, I'm worried. I'm confused. Like, all these things. And he's dealt with that for some time. We don't know how much time. But he's decided he wants to divorce her, but he wants to do it secretly because even in all that, he's hurt, but he's still worried about her. That's unusual, right? Like that's not, usually when we get hurt, we want to hurt other people back. We want to get even. We want to, we want to make them feel like they made us feel. But that's not Joseph. And we get, a, we get a little picture of why. Because Joseph is a man of character. It says he's a righteous man. I looked that up because I wanted to know, like, how many times do people get called righteous in the Bible? Like, how many times does, does God say that's a righteous man? Well, it's about 13 people get called that. You know, I'm on page. I don't know what page you're on. I don't even think my Bible has pages, maybe. Uh, yeah, there's one. I'm on page 855. That's a lot of pages. Yours is different. They're not all universal. Um, <laughs> that's why I don't say turn to page 12. Um, but on page 855 in my Bible, there have been 13 people that God has said, that's a righteous person or a righteous man. 
And Joseph's one of those 13 people. And, and can I just say, like, three of those people are God. God says that about himself three times. So now we're in, a, like, an exclusive club of there's 10 people other than God that God's ever called righteous. Joseph is a man of character. We don't know much about him at this point in the story. We, we actually don't ever get to know a whole lot about Joseph. He's just an ordinary guy. But he's an ordinary guy with extraordinary character. That God chose to do something extraordinary through. So Joseph's hurt and he's 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 worried and he's confused and he he does this thing that's kind of different, countercultural maybe for all of us. Instead of lashing out and trying to hurt Mary back, he just decides like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna exit this situation, but I'm gonna do it in a way where even in my exiting I'm thinking about Mary. It says he doesn't want to disgrace her publicly. Now, that's, that's kind of a toned-down language version of what could have happened. If you look at Leviticus, I think it's like 7, 7.14. No, that's the Isaiah one, sorry. Leviticus, I'm going to say 20, but it doesn't matter. Google it later. Um, in Leviticus, um, it says that the punishment for adultery is actually, you, you, can, be, you can be killed. And in the eyes of everybody who's not buying the Holy Spirit story, which is probably everybody but Mary, this is what she's done. So not only would it be like, hey, they may talk about her forever and they may call her horrible names and they may never accept her back into their social circles, which, which is a possibility. The worst case scenario is they could just kill Mary. And Joseph sees this, and he's like, I don't, I don't want that to happen. She's hurt me, but I, I don't want that to happen. Uh, I don't want her to be hurt. So he decides, he makes up his mind over some time, like, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to divorce her. I'm leaving the situation, but I'm going to try to leave her as intact as I possibly can. And it says, after he made up his mind, so however long that took, after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. Isn't it amazing that God let him sit around and like make up his mind first? Like God could have just come down like, hey, in, in about 30 minutes, you're going to figure out Mary's pregnant and I just want you to know it's mine. So don't worry about it. Like don't, don't be stressed. Just, just proceed as normal. He could, he could have done that, but he let Joseph wrestle with this decision. Now, I think a lot of us would look at that and be like, well, God was testing him. No, God, God was not testing him, at least in the way we would think about. See, the amazing thing, and I'm a teacher, I know this, is you know if kids are good at stuff before they write it down on paper. Right? Like, I don't need a kid to, 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 I'm a band teacher, so I'll just use me. I don't need a kid to play like a scale test before I know if that kid can play their instrument. I hear it every day and see it every day. I know if they're good at it or not. But here's the thing, the kid needs to know if they're good at it or not. And if Joseph's a righteous man, which he is, and God's going to call him a righteous man, God already knows, like a verse before this happens, that, that Joseph is a righteous man, but Joseph needs to, to, he needs to wrestle with this. He, he needs to see where he stands. He needs to see if he cares about Mary. He needs to see because what's about to happen is going to be a lifetime of difficulty. For the rest of his years, it's going to be kind of rough. I know that we think Jesus enters the story and everything gets awesome and there's rainbows and sunshine. And like eternally, that's true. But like 
God's pretty clear about the fact that we're going to endure hardship in this place, and it's going to be a struggle in this place, and not everything is rainbows and sunshine. Like here, it's difficult. There, it's amazing, and we're going there, and I'm looking forward to that. But, but Joseph needs to know before he enters into this contract, like three days down the road, ten days down the road, a year down the road, when everybody's calling Mary names and looking down on Mary and Joseph, that Joseph's going to stick it out. So he lets him wrestle with this, and Joseph decides in this wrestling, like, I don't, I don't want to hurt her. I love her. I want you to know that. I don't want to hurt her because I love her. We, like, throw that word around a lot, and then somebody takes us off, and we start trying to lash back out. That's, that's not love. So he decides, like, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm getting out of this, but I don't want him to hurt her because I love her. And he decides that. And when he decides that, um, after he considered these things and decided to put her away privately, this angel or this messenger of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. Now, this is unusual, like we talked about last week. Like, if you read Matthew and Luke, you think everybody gets an angel all the time, and, like, that's just not true. Like, he's the only one that sees one in the front half of Matthew that we get a record of, and there's two people that get one in Luke. So, like, three angels in uh, a long period of time. But an angel pops up in, in the dream, and the angel starts talking to Joseph. And he, and he says, Joseph, son of David... This is the first time that we've seen Joseph addressed as son of David um, in the story. I don't, I don't think, by the way, Joseph went around being like, hey, I'm Joseph, son of David. That was probably not Joseph's actual dad's name. But he is a descendant of David. And, and in this moment, God's like, I'm, I'm just going to remind you, Joseph, like who you are. I think God does that for us a lot, right? Hey, Brad, who is loved and forgiven and free. Like, this is just God doing what God does. He's like, hey, Joseph, uh, I know that you're an ordinary man, but you, you've kind of got something extraordinary about you. So let me remind you, you're the son of David, um, and you're going to need to know that because what I'm about to tell you kind of hinges on that. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He, he makes up his mind, maybe wrestles with it for weeks. He makes up his mind, I'm going to put her away. And, and then God shows up and he's like, hey, I uh, just want to tell you, I know what you're going to do, but we're not going to do that. Uh, you don't have to be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now you read that and you're like, well, why would he be afraid? Well, there's a lot of reasons probably why he'd be afraid. We can understand like, don't be angry, don't be hurt, don't be frustrated, don't be confused. But he says, don't be afraid. Well, see, there's this, there's this thing that's pretty clear in the story, and it's that Joseph loves Mary, but what Joseph doesn't know is if Mary loves Joseph, right? Because to him, she cheated on me. To him, she's pregnant, it ain't mine. She likes somebody else, wants to be with somebody else. She doesn't want to be with me. So you, you have that. Uh, I don't want to marry this lady if she doesn't have feelings for me. She may do it again, right? She may go off and, and be with somebody else. She may leave me. So there's partly that. But I think kind of in a greater way, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, is this. Joseph is a righteous man. He lives in a town, like we talked about last week, of like 400 people. There's like 12,000 people in Mascot. So you can see it's, it's a little town. Everybody knows everybody, right? 
Like this is a town where you don't get secrets. Like if, if it gets out, it's out. And Joseph has been looked at as this righteous man, a good boy, right? Like he's, he's a man who tries to follow God and he tries to do the right thing. And this is his character and this is what people say about him. And then all of a sudden, um, he's having to make the decision like, do I want to be tied to this? Because what everybody's going to see is either Mary has cheated on Joseph, right? You ever done that thing like somebody gets married real fast and then all of a sudden you find out they're pregnant and you're just like waiting it out? (laughs) Because you're going to do the math, right? Like how many months does it take this baby to get here? You know, like you've done that. You don't have to admit that, but you've done that, right? Because it's normal. And people are going to be doing the math. And it's either going to look like, hey, they got together, kind of midnight visit or whatever, and she got pregnant, or Mary's an adulterer. And he's going to have to decide, like, do I want to be tied to that? And there's some fear in that because people are going to talk. People like to talk. People still like to talk. Imagine then in a town of 400 people, right? Like everybody's got an opinion and everybody's always looking for somebody else to do worse than them because it makes us feel good to run other people down. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's the human condition. And he lives in a town of 400 people that are looking for somebody to run down because if we can make somebody lower, then what we're doing is elevating ourselves. It's the wrong way to do it, but it's how people do it. Makes us feel good to talk bad about people. And he lives in a town of 400 people that are looking for somebody to talk bad about. And this is going to follow them, right? Mary's going to go to the well, and people are going to be talking bad about Mary. People are going to talk bad about this kid. And i got to decide, do I want to be tied to that? And God's like, hey, don't, don't be afraid of that. He doesn't say people aren't going to talk bad about her. He doesn't say it's not going to be difficult. He doesn't say any of that stuff because it is going to be difficult and people are going to talk bad about him. It's going to happen. But he does say something amazing. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid, not because life's not going to be hard, but because it's going to be worth it, is what he's saying. Don't, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, not because people aren't going to talk, because people are, are going to talk, but because God is doing something amazing in this, and you want to be tied to this, is what he's saying. God is about to do a work. She has a baby in her, and it's the Holy Spirit's baby. And by the way, just a few words ago, I reminded you that you're the son of David. You can start putting the pieces together. Joseph, God is doing a work here, and you want to be tied to this. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. People are going to talk about you. They're going to run you down. Life's not going to be easy for the next few years. I want you to know that, but it is going to be worth it. I don't know, maybe we can step back from the Christmas story for just a second, but isn't that true? There's so much struggle in in life. 
saved and lost together. There's struggle in life, but, but really, like, if we're following God, there's, there's going to be struggle because we have an enemy that the Bible says is a raving, roaring lion who's out to, to seeking who he may devour. He's looking for people to kill, and we're signing up for that. I'm, I want to follow God, but when I follow God, there is a lion that automatically enters my story that's hunting me down with claws and teeth that wants to kill me. Life's not going to be easy. But God is doing an amazing thing in lives of people that are willing to say, I don't care. I want to be tied to that story. It's always cost somebody something to be tied to the story of Jesus. From the very first, right? Like we're not even a chapter in to the the story of Jesus. And here Joseph is having to decide, do I want to be part of this or would I rather not? And the promise is still the same today. Oh yeah, there's going to be struggle and there's going to be hurt and there's going to be heartache and it's going to be difficult, but it's always going to be worth it because God will do a work in those that are willing to tie themselves to the story of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Right, like we're, we're in chapter one of the story of Jesus, this historical record of Jesus the Messiah and God's already sending these messages. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And I just want to say that today because I think sometimes we struggle with that, right? Have you ever asked yourself this question like, man, would it just be easier to walk away? Man, if I just went away, the devil would leave me alone. You've you've told yourself that maybe. I've heard people say that to me. And some of those people are gone. Reality. Not everybody is really following Jesus. And we usually figure that out in the struggle. I think actually struggle is, is, is the grace of God because at least we know, right? I'd rather know because if, if, I'm, if I'm not, I'd rather just go out there and live it up because this is heaven for me if I'm not going to follow him. It doesn't get any better than this. And God wants us to be sure. So he says to Joseph, you, you don't have to be afraid. It's going to be worth it because she is going to give birth to a son. There's going to be a boy child that comes through this. And and, and by the way, I got a plan for this kid. You're going to, you're going to name him Jesus. The Greek version of the Hebrew name uh, Joshua or Yeshua. God saves. You're going you're gonna to name this kid God Saves because if, if all we get is the name Jesus, I want people to know just in the name, right? Like, you don't have to have the whole story. I want people to know that in the name of Jesus, God has declared his will to save people. He says, you're, you're going to name him Jesus. I know you were thinking like Joe Jr., but his name's going to be Jesus. Because he will, not he might or he could, He will save his people from their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. And I know like we can can look at that and we're not going to get deep into that today, but we can we can look at that. His people. Well, who are his people? Anybody God would call are his people. I know like 
he's speaking to a Jewish man in a, in a Jewish culture, but this is this is the promise for me as well. What, what's God say that my sheep hear my voice? And if we've answered that, or we, God has given us the opportunity to answer that, when we answer that, we're we're grafted into this tree. We become His people. And I just want to say, like, look at what an amazing promise that is. God's not saying today, I might save you from your sin. Not I could, if I feel like it, save you from your sin, but I will save you from your sin. I will do it. It's a promise, and we can always take God up on what he says. See, I I don't know about you this morning, but I need saving from my sin. In 22, he says, now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now, the prophet here is Isaiah, and it's from chapter 7, I think, verse 14. In 23, it says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's not his name. They're not going to, they didn't name him the wrong thing because the angel messed up. It's just a title. God saves because God is with us. That's what he's saying. Jesus, the anointed one, who is God and with us, if we put all the names together in in the story. Isn't that amazing? What I love about this even more is Matthew just wanted us to know, like, you, you can take God up on what he says. The angel says it, right? The angel pops into the story and he says, hey, Joseph, um, God said this was going to happen. What, what's amazing about this is Isaiah wrote somewhere, this, this book, somewhere in between like year 701 and 800 BCE. So anywhere between 700 to 800 years before this moment happened, God was saying, I'm going to send my son through a virgin. And I want you to know, like, he's going to be God on the planet Earth. He's going to be God with you. And, and I don't know how they missed that, like, but I probably would have missed it too. I miss a lot of things. But do do you realize, like, Everybody God said that to had died when this came to pass. This was at least 700 years before this moment. Every, like Isaiah was gone. Isaiah's kids, if he had kids, were gone, and their kids were gone, and, and kids and kids and kids and kids and kids were gone. Like they'd been waiting forever on this promise, but here maybe everybody wasn't looking for it. Everybody forgot it, but God had not forgotten what God had said. And I just want to say what the angel's saying is if God says it, God will do it. And you may have to wait on it. It may take a while. You may not even see it, but if God says it, you can bank on it. If God says it, you, you, can, you can bank on it. And this is for free this morning. This is not like the whole of, I think, what God's saying in this story. But God said some things to some of us, and we're waiting, and we get frustrated, and we're waiting, and we get discouraged, and we're waiting, and eventually we get in this place where, like, maybe God didn't say that, or maybe, maybe that's not what he meant. But I just want to say, like, if God says it, he will do it. And the angel comes into the story at the birth of Christ, and he's like, dude, he told you. 700 years ago, he told you. So it was... 
I know it sounds crazy that there's this virgin and she has a baby and this baby's going to be the son of God and, and he's going to save his people from, from their sins. I know, I know that sounds crazy, but like 700 years ago, there was a man named Isaiah who wrote it down from the mouth of God. Like there's going to be a virgin. She's going to have a baby and he's going to be called God with us, God on planet earth. God always does what God says. He always does what he says. So if God said something, we can bank on it. He will be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. In 24, it says, when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord, Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, uh, but he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I love that because if God always does what he says he'll do, it's a no-brainer. We should do what God asks us to, isn't it? If God always does what he says he'll do, it's like a no-brainer. We should always do what God asks us to. And for all of us this morning, he's inviting us into something greater than ourself. He's inviting us to tie our lives to the story of Jesus. Now, I know, like, we hear that, and we're like, well, I've already done that. I've already said that prayer. I'm already saved, and that's, that's amazing, and that's the beginning, but it's not the end. That's like the beginning of the story for us. We get to enter somewhere mid-story into the amazing thing that God's been doing since the beginning of time that's never going to have an end. We get to come into that somewhere midstream. But that's not the whole of the Christian life, is it? It's not like say a prayer and then come to church. I think this is a good thing for us, but it's not God's plan in total for us. And it's not like I said a prayer, now I've got to sing the songs, or I said a prayer, now I've got to... Do the thing. See, in reality, what we need today is Jesus. You can't be tied to the story of Jesus without Jesus, actually. There's like no way to do that. You can be tied to the story of church without Jesus, and you can be tied to the story of worship songs without Jesus, but you can't be tied to the story of Jesus without Jesus. You can be tied to moral living without Jesus, but you can't be tied to the story of Jesus without Jesus. You you can be tied to religion without Jesus, but you can't be tied to Jesus without Jesus. And God's inviting us to inseparably tie our lives to the story of Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, he's God with us. Not God on Sunday. He's never been interested in being a part-time God, right? Like, we, we don't need a part-time Savior. Thank the Lord he didn't send one. But it means that every day I follow Jesus. And he's going he's gonna to tell these people this. In like 30 years, he's going to be like, hey, take up your cross and follow me. Hey, give your life to me. Hey, follow me. Hey, come after me. That's always the invitation. It's always been the invitation. And, and following is not a part-time thing. He says, hey, come with me. I want to be God with you, but I can't be God with you if you won't let me be God with you. So God's offering for us in every place today to inseparably tie our story to the story of Jesus, God with us. For some people that is, hey God, I've I've never given my life to you. 
We had a play last night, and I think this, um, this amazing thing that was said in the play was like, I've decided to accept that gift for myself. In reality, you, you can't live off tying your life to your mom's relationship with Jesus or your dad's relationship with Jesus. You've you got to have one. And maybe you, you've been in church like forever, but you've never just said, hey, God, I, I want to give you my life. And if you've never done that, like you can do that because God wants to be God with you, not God with just your mom or just the church or just the people around you. He wants to be your God. He wants to live Monday through Sunday with you wants to walk with you and talk to you and be with you. And, you know, like for some of us, we've done that. We said the prayer. We know like if we died today, we would, we would leave this place and we would go to be with God. But in reality, we, we can still live a very fruitless life if we don't tie every day to Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get to, you get to know Jesus. Well, how, how do you do that? You get to know Jesus. We have this gift from God that we not only can invest the effort to to actually get to know Jesus, but there's like this, even in that phrase, isn't there this gift that we can have the ability to, to get to know Jesus? You do that by reading about who Jesus is. You invest your life in his word. You can, you can speak to him. I think for so many of us, we're like there's power in prayer, but we never really pray. God's saying to us today through the story of Jesus, you can get as close to me as you want to get. Isn't that cool? What's God say in the word? Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If you take a step, I'll take a step. If you come my way, I'll come your way. If, you, if, you'll, if you'll invest a little bit of effort to get to know me, I will, I will invest some effort to let you know me. It's grace. Jesus wants to be God with us today and every day, not just church days. You know, you can, you can worship on Monday just as good as you can on Sunday. It's a, well, it's a little known secret. You know that Thursday is still a pretty good worship day, and so is Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday. They're all pretty good. You know, you, you, can, you can actually read and understand God's word on, on Tuesday. Isn't that amazing? There's like not anything special about Sunday. It's just a day like that we picked out to celebrate the resurrection together. But like I can get to know God any day. I can I can speak to God in the same way in my bedroom as I can on the floor in this room. Like I can do that or in the car. Because there's not God in a building. It's God with us. God's inviting. Maybe it's amazing today that we're watching from home, some of us. God in the living room, right? God on my phone. Is God with us? God sent God to and through ordinary people so he could be with us, ordinary people. He didn't send a political savior because we didn't need a political savior. <laughs> he didn't send an economic savior because we didn't really need an economic savior. 
and send a religious savior because we're pretty good at religion left to ourselves. We've made up thousands of them. He sent somebody to save us from our sins because sin separates us from God. And God didn't want separation. He wanted to be God with us. And that's true and available for everybody today. For some, it's salvation. For some, it's surrender. But today, God's inviting everybody to inseparably tie our stories to the story of Christ, the anointed one, God with us. Let's pray.